Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to the Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We are here today on Friday, the only day we're around, with Tiana Showey from Made to Conquer Podcast. How are you doing, Tiana? I'm doing fantastic on this 2nd, February 2024. Mr. Bach, how about you? Doing well. Doing very well. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm hyped. You know, (laughs) all the things. (laughs) You've been I I, I have been. It's it's well, it's just not this morning. It's been this this week, you know. It it's been a bit of a struggle with the weather. Anybody that has had a lot of TBIs knows that barometric pressure change can just wreak havoc on your cognitive function. And it the only way I can describe it, when I try to describe it to my wife, is have you ever had it where you're just completely hammered and you're trying to make like you're trying to make connections or it's the day after you got that really bad hangover and like your mm-hmm. your brain is just not making those connections mm-hmm. and you're just trying to chug through. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. So for women, that's called pregnancy brain or PMS brain. <laughs> <laughs> you go to alcohol. I'm just going to go to hormones. But, but it's it's funny because like <laughs> there, was a, there was a tweet. Oh man, if I can find it, I, I'm going to try to find it while and at a point when you're talking, but it it's something along the lines of, Somebody made up a fake pain scale, like with a specific <laughs> name and said, when a man gets kicked in the groin, it's this level on the pain scale. And so women have a semi idea of what it's like when they get pregnant, because they're about 5% on that scale <laughs> of what men, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so it's, it's been good and the sun's been coming out and I am definitely a I am a solar charge person, which most of us are obviously given to vitamin D and all those things, but um, it's been exciting. And there's been a lot of things God is doing um, here locally, as well as online. And it's just, it's very exciting to be a part of that, you know, and it's it's so often it's just little things and, you know, people as, you know, when you're first getting into ministry or as you're visualizing, and even when you're a kid, and I guess it would, I would tie it to the perception that we have of adults as children and youth, right? We have this idea, oh, when you're grown up, oh, this grown up feels like this. And you realize, oh, they, that that whole adulthood is an illusion. Like you really don't (laughs) feel any different. You just kind of, your views change. You get a bit more wisdom, inshallah, hopefully you should, Um, not all do. (laughs) But there's this idea, right, that we have. And it's kind of the same, you know, we have these ideas, especially given the Hollywood aspect and how we glorify particular people in ministry that, oh, a successful ministry is all of this growth, all of this reach and all of that. But it is those little moment by moment interactions that enact change or plant a seed. It's 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 really amazing. I was reading and I, I'm i going to share share something uh, that was shared with us because it's just, it's just an, again, you don't even know how God's using you at times. Yeah. And that's the excitement though, is that I always say success is faithfully carrying out what you were given to do today. Exactly. And you don't care about the fruit. You don't care about from the standpoint, like you care, you hope it brings forth good fruit, that it comes to fruition, right? It may, it may not. Um, we have a saying in the military, at least me and my team did, that you can have the best plan of operations, 
It could be beautiful. Everything's set in place. As soon as you walk out that gate, the enemy gets a say. Yeah. You know, and so when you you bring the enemy involved, you got spiritual warfare, you have other people involved, you can do everything right, but it falls to pieces. Um, and so the we're not rewarded for the fruit, we're rewarded for our faithfulness to plant the seeds and water and do what we were called to do. Right. The obedience. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, an amazing ministry, right? You won't even really see it necessarily. And I think that God does that a lot because it does keep us from pride, you know, yes. um, and it keeps us, it keeps us trusting him. But I wanted to share this. There was a, a woman uh, last week I woke up and I was in like serious brain. I, I woke up late, serious brain fog. I was struggling. I was struggling a lot. And my Psalm, the only Psalm that popped into my head was Psalm 10. And this, this person messaged me and I want to share this with everybody here that does listen to let you know, look like God does hear you. He really does. And he may use you in a way that you don't even realize. Um, but this person's father passed away, unfortunately. And, you know, so be, be lifting them up, but really struggling, honestly, because it was, it was unexpected and their pastor encouraged them. Hey, um, pick up, pick out a few Bible verses write them down, have them on hand. And, you know, this is something we've talked about. Like, hey, if, if you're dealing with something, the best thing you can do is have verses on a card mm -hmm. and just go over them and over them because it gets the word in you, right? But their pastor said, hey, get some verses. And they said that they hadn't opened their Bible yet. Um, said the Bible that they regularly used was one they bought with their father in Jerusalem at the Garden of Gethsemane when they were there together. Uh, and they said they put colored tabs for different things and blue specifically was for help and trouble. Uh, she said that I decided to turn to my first blue tab. And what do you know? Even though I have read through the entire Bible, this was the very first passage in blue. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The helpless commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Psalm ten fourteen. And so she say, you know, so for her, she's like, when I heard that, it 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 just dropped her because, you know, again, I'm this dude in Clarksville, Tennessee. This person is a completely different state. I have no interaction with this person. And in my fog and like, I don't know, even know how I'm going to complete this today. The only Psalm that came to my mind and it came very instantaneously was Psalm 10. You know, it's just, I'm in a conversation with a girl right now who's really coming back and asking a lot of questions, right? She, she had faith. She walked in the faith and she walked away for a while due to life circumstances and many other things. And it's, she didn't deny, but she was like, I, I realize now I didn't have the foundation that I thought I had. I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. And she wrote down, she was telling me she wrote down in her journal, a prayer. And she was like, this is the only way I can actually bring myself to talk to you. And she said, can you please send me someone to give me answers? <laughs> and then a guy who's home from the mission field and him and his wife are here training and they're doing coffee because they're actually going to use a coffee shop over in Africa as a means for ministry. So suddenly this dude starts working there who's a missionary on, on home. <laughs> and I really start getting a lot more involved there at that coffee shop because I go there to meet a lot of people. And so it was just so cool to see, you know, of all the people that could come in and get start interacting with her after she writes that in her journal, you know, it's just, it's just a testament so much. God is constantly saying in different ways, like, I'm here. Yeah. I love you. I care. 
Um, well, I'm going to pull this up because I, I think it's so important, especially given what we're going to talk about of things today. And But G. Campbell Morgan, my grandfather had a bunch of biblical books and in his message and his book on Hosea, I think it's so beautiful what he writes. Uh, speaking of Job and Joseph, he says, the revelation of the story with Job and Joseph is that suffering cannot be accounted for at the moment. God may be preparing us for cooperation with him and doing something in our lives, the witness of which will pass down through the ages. Yeah. And I absolutely love that because it demonstrates that even in the suffering and even in the pain, God is in a sense inviting us in that to say, hey, you you are not going to fully understand everything I'm doing in you and that and and you're not going to have a grasp of everything I'm going to do through you and how this is going to affect others and give you a reach. And you're not going to ultimately understand till the ages are past. Yeah. You know. I'm getting goosebumps because I was sharing with you a little bit about what the Lord's been speaking to me. And that's just exactly on point with it. Um, before I go into that, though, I just wanted to reiterate your point about God showing us his love in just small little ways. So uh, for those for those that listen to Made to Conquer, they know this, but I, you know, I'm a barren woman. It wasn't by choice. It was a biological thing. And as a woman, that's hard because we have a nature to nurture. And so thankfully, God's blessed me with eight nieces and nephews who I just adore to the moon and back. In fact, I... I got to hang out with my nephew the other day and I said, do you know how much I love you? And he looks at me, he goes a lot. And I'm like, you're right. I do love you a lot. Um, but the, but well, you know, one of the things that the Lord had gave me to kind of help me cope with that is a, a really close relationship with my dog. And so I had a sweet dog that I adopted and a year and a half ago he died. And, and as I saw his, his health fading, I said to the Lord, whatever you do, please don't make me have to put him down. Like let him fall asleep in his, in his, you know, sleep. So that way I don't have to deal with it. And that is not what happened. I had to be in the room when we had to put him to sleep and it was traumatic. It was it. I haven't, I haven't felt pain like that. I don't think in my whole life because I had him for 13 years and, and he was my baby. So I, it's, it's taken me a long time. I work from home, so I'm alone all day. And I just really started praying and saying, Lord, okay, I think I'm ready for another dog. Well, long story made short, God opened some doors and uh, the other day, as I was kind of moving in that direction, I said, okay, Lord, I think there's an opportunity here. If this is not of you, close the door. But the breed of dog that I want, this is going to sound stupid, but this is how much God is in the details. And I, and I think that this is an important story to share that, with that. The breed of dog that I want, one of the things that concerns me about them is most of the time they have black toenails. And I know this sounds stupid, but I dread cutting the nails of dogs with black toenails because I don't want to cut their quick. Because I've done that a few times in my life and it's like traumatizing to me. <laughs> It sounds stupid, but it's traumatizing. So I was like, Lord, I really want this dog. But the one thing that scares me to death is a dog with black toenails because I don't want to cut their quick because I, I, I like to groom my own dogs. So long story made short, I go down to look at a puppy and God opens the store and I ended up being able to get the puppy home weeks before I thought I was going to. And I get in the car and I'm holding him and I look down and guess what? All of his toenails are clear because he happens to have white paws at the very tip of his paws and his toenails are clear and I can cut them. And it sounds so stupid, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, I heard you. And I took care of that detail too. That's so cool. So, it's so stupid. It seems so small, but I mean, that's, I, I bring this up to say to you guys, God does this in all of your lives in, in little ways and, and become aware of those little things where God just meets you in the small details that you don't think he's paying attention to. I never in a million years God think would God would care about the color of the nails of the dog that he gives me. Yeah. But yeah, he did. 
Um, but to your, to your other point, Paul, and, and I'm going to try not to wax too long on this, but we were talking about, you know, you and I often ask each other at the start of this, like, what is God speaking to you and, and whatnot? And I, I, the thing that God's really been impressing upon me lately is, and I was t- mentioning this to you, you and I are at the point in our walk with the Lord where we've, we've got a degree of maturity and, and I never want to, we never get comfortable in that place. I mean, that's my wife would things. disagree. <laughs> spiritual, let me rephrase that spiritual maturity. <laughs> uh, other forms of maturity. I am not speaking <laughs> towards on this one. Uh, you know, but you, you got to be careful about get, resting on your laurels because that's where you get into trouble and that's where backsliding occurs. But my, my point in that is, you know, we're, we're spending time with the Lord every day. We're in his word. We value him. You know, we've dealt with and purged, you know, the really blatant willful sins from our life. And that doesn't mean that the temptation doesn't come, but we have the discipline now to know how to navigate that temptation when it comes. And, and it, so then the question is now, what is the next level of maturity? And I mentioned this to you that the way of agape has really been challenging me because what the way of agape does is it goes deeper than that surface level behavior modification that we accept as spiritual maturity. And it really says the whole of my being, every nook and cranny now deserves to be cleaned out by the Holy Spirit. And what the Lord has been doing in my life is is I'm, I'm in a, a very challenging situation right now in my life where I find myself in it, not only under a tremendous amount of stress, but I feel like I'm beating my head against a wall and it feels like a very hopeless situation. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I look at the, I look at it and I go, I am pouring so much energy into this. I don't see how this is going to have a positive outcome and not to mention it's difficult every day. And I found myself starting to build up resentment. And so the Lord just kept pointing me to the way of agape, way of agape, way of agape. And what he began to show me is you know, yeah, okay, we've dealt with the low hanging fruit. Now it's time to go deep and deal with the hidden chambers in your life. And he's begun to show me the resentment that has storing in my heart. And it was one of those, you have it, you've had this happen to you where the Holy Spirit wakes you up in the middle of the night and he's like, all right, since I've got you in a sensory deprivation chamber, let's deal with (laughs) these things. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. And he just started to walk me through the challenging situation he has me in and the resentment I built up. And he said, do you think I would have made Joseph ruler over Egypt if he had allowed that resentment to build in him when he was in prison or in Potiphar's house? Did Joseph have every right to be resentful towards Potiphar's wife and towards being in prison? Did, did, did Joseph have every right to be resentful? Yes. But in that painful place, which is on par with what you just read, in that pain, I'm doing something in you and you've got to decide how you're going to treat this. Are you going to allow resentment to continue to build up? Which is, by the way, just the byproduct of not trusting God because I'm resentful because I don't feel like what's happening is worthwhile. But if I knew it all had a purpose, then the resentment wouldn't be there. I would just say, okay, God, I trust you in this process. And then he just, he drilled it home with me and he said, do you think Jesus had a reason to be resentful? Yeah. And yet he wore, he walked to the cross without an ounce of resentment in him. And what he just showed me is that these things that are seemingly insignificant in our life, that are just seem like auxiliary things, you know, my fear, my anger, my anxiety, my resentment, are actually controlling us more than we don't control them. Like there's nothing like that that we actually control. It all controls us. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit isn't content with just, let's get the high, let's get the big sins out of your life. He wants the whole thing. And what he really drilled home to me in that, in that, you know, little uh, dad and daughter talk that we had for a while the other night was 
the reason that this matters to him, and this is the, this is the main takeaway guys. The reason that he is continuing to walk me through this process is because the bride of the last days has to be radiant with his love. We have to glow with his light because the world needs radical love. They need Christ in a way that goes beyond fakeianity, churchianity, and religianity. It's not something we can manufacture. It's not a behavior modification. I can't make myself not resentful, but I can surrender to the Holy Spirit and give him those things and admit my lack of trust and admit that this resentment is because exactly what you were saying earlier, Paul, my job is not to worry about the outcome. My job is to be obedient. The outcome belongs to the Lord. And it was just really a, a strong reminder and the Holy Spirit really took me, he's been taking me through the Song of Solomon. And if you've ever read the Song of Solomon, it's really easy to go like, what, what are you, what are you, like, what is this even about? This is like weird. But what you're seeing is this progression of their relationship through the book and the depth of the way that their the relationship matures. And, and it's symbolic, not only, I mean, it's not only the story of Solomon and, and, and a woman, but it's also Christ in the church. And at the very end in Psalm, in Song of Solomon 8, it ends this way. The bride says, I am the wall. My breasts are like towers. So I have become in his eyes like one who brings peace. In other words, the maturity of their relationship lasts as her becoming a wall, towers, a stronghold. And what the Lord is just showing me is that agape has to be the tool that we fight with in this last day. And the only way that agape becomes the story of our lives is if we are willing to let the Holy Spirit get into those hidden chambers, get into those areas that we think aren't that big of a deal and continually give them over. And it's not a one and done process. It's not one time pray it through. And this is why I love that four step process that Nancy Missler goes through. And I'm gonna be covering that in Made to Conquer next week. I'm gonna go through that four step process with everybody because I have to go through that every time I feel that resentment come up. I, it's not a one done. I have to go through it. But what she mentions in that is at the very end, you get to enter into a state of worship that is unbelievably pure. And when, and after the Holy Spirit had kind of walked me through and dealt with it, and I kind of went through that four step process, man, that moment of worship was so powerful because what worship reminds you is God is so good and I have it so good. And the pain and the suffering are real, but they pale in comparison to his glory. Like it's nothing. It's so insignificant at the end of the day compared to who he is and what we get in Jesus. And so I apologize for waxing long on this. No, but you're fine. It was just so, I just want to say to all of you out there, do not settle for fakeianity, churchianity, religionity. Do not settle for anything less. We are the bride of the last days. We are the bride of the final times. And we have to be, you know, dressed in armor and our, the most powerful tool will be that the Holy Spirit is flowing through our lives. It is nothing we can produce. It comes as a byproduct of us being willing to humble ourselves and surrender entirely to the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that involves spending time with him. Yes. You know, uh, D.L. Moody in his book, Secret Power, talks about the issue within the church is we're like 55 gallon buckets walking around with half an inch of water in us because we're, 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 we're leaky vessels, right? So we have to constantly be filled and everything that you said, it doesn't. And I like that you said that like, you're going to have these feelings like these, you, you, it's not this like, oh, I reach a level of maturity and I don't experience these feelings anymore. And so it's all just good. No, like you experience them. It's, it's this warfare of what do I, what do I do with them? Like, how do I hand them over to the Lord? Like even, and, and 
you know, when it comes to forgiveness and other things like that, sometimes it is literally a God, I, I just give this to you because I'm so angry. I'm so bitter. And this just hurts so much. And then five seconds later, like you're trying to take it back. Like, okay, God, I, and you literally have to over and over. And that goes to where Paul talks about, you know, training his body and beating it into subjection so that after he's preached to others, he himself is not disqualified. It is a moment by moment choice. So that idea of, I was talking with this, this one person and we were talking about identity. Like what, what does it actually mean? Like, because in today's world, we see identity discussed in the, in the form of my sexuality or whatever it is. And it's interesting because we are being defined by our desires. If you actually really look at what's being discussed, it's our desires and that is your supposed definition of who you are. And so when we're defined by Christ and our identity is in Christ, it comes to dying to self where I say, look, I have these desires. I had, and the way I explained it to her, I said, look, me, Paul, I am a manipulator. I'm deceptive. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy doing those things, partly due to my career and the things I got to do. I thoroughly enjoy inflicting pain on people. Like that is, and I, I know these are, this is a very extreme example, but it's true. So I could say, well, this is who I am. This is just how I am, you know, but, and you know, or a womanizer or whatever, right? You could name, name whatever it is. And we say, look, the desire for Christ is so much more than any of this stuff. And my identity is not in my desires and my sin or my temptation. My identity is in Christ. Therefore, I am to reflect him. And I should, and I want to reflect him, not just because I have to, because I'm supposed to, because I'm a Christian, but it's out of a love for him. You know, it is, I think it was Dr. Chuck Missler who said, it is the abandonment of all for a love that has abandoned all, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a reflection of our love for him and, and an honoring of him and who he is, because he is a righteous God. He is a holy God. And I should out of that desire and that relationship want to reflect everything in my life so that it brings glory and honor to him. You know, it doesn't mean that we're not, you know, because you talk about, you know, having agape towards people. We can have love towards people, but it doesn't mean also that we don't stand up for the truth and say, no, like this is, this is the way it is. Well, that this is, is, that is love. I mean, God yeah, that exactly. Us, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, and Paul in Romans eight says, I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which would be revealed in us. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is such an awesome awesome statement right there because we are going to suffer in some capacity at some point in our lives and it comes in many many different ways. And given the way that 2024 is going and the direction things seem to be headed, suffering may increase on on many different levels. Mm -hmm. But the question may be then what do we do with it? And while the world is going into darkness, how do we then, how, if it's getting darker, how much brighter should we shine? Yeah. You know, I look at the, when my wife and I were going through uh, her cancer treatment at MD Anderson, MD Anderson is massive. Anybody that's been there, it is a huge campus. And on Monday morning, you just watch the floodgates open and so many people flood in there and it's all cancer. And it is, it is very dark. There's a lot of hopelessness in that. But man, like that just means you can be such a bright light in that you, people need to be exposed to the light. They need that. Like the world needs that. And we are the ones that are supposed to reflect that. And that's how we honor God. That's how we bring him glory. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. And you know, I, I know you and I drill this home a lot, but I think, I think here's the thing I'll, I'll say just in closing to this, we can have a lot of regrets in life. The one regret I don't want to have is missing out on more of Jesus. He is worth it. He is worth everything that it's going to cost us. And I know sometimes it's hard to understand that because he seems so intangible sometimes. And I know it seems a little bit weird that, especially if you're listening to this and you're not a believer that you have these two people who are, you know, drilling home this need to follow what is seemingly an invisible God, but nothing is further from the truth. And, and when you begin to open your heart to him, you'll just see un, the, the unbelievable love and father-like nature of who our King is. And he's going to be worth it guys. And, and our biggest thing, I think Paul and I, you know, if we could have one thing we drill home for you guys is don't have eternal regrets. Don't, it's not worth it. Like nothing is worth holding on to. And, and I would say this, if I were to tell you guys, you know, that the reasons that I'm being resentful, all of you would be like, you are justified in your resentment. Of course we are. Like you said, Paul, I, you know, this is the way I feel. This is my nature. We can justify that all day long. Don't settle for less. Don't just don't don't settle for anything less than what God's best is for you. And that's something I pray all the time. Lord, keep me from preventing you from growing me into the person that I want you have for me to be. In other words, don't let me get in your way. Please don't let me get in your way. <laughs> it goes back to the warfare aspect. It requires understanding that you are in a war and therefore you take the necessary steps in order to be a prepared soldier with all the equipment and training that you need. And God will provide that. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to open, I think this is so interesting that Psalm 100 was what I felt was needed today. And in light of this, because ultimately all of these things are a form of worship and can be a form of worship because the word means to 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 bow down you know before ones before the lord you know that's really it's an in, worship is an internal bowing down it, it's more about the attitude and the rather than just a a single action does that make sense and so psalm 100 says make a joyful shout to the lord all you lands serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know that the lord he is god it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures forever. And I can tell you that there's two things I've learned about worship. Worshiping when you don't feel like worshiping is really important because it's amazing what God will reveal in that time. And some of the most intense worship I've had have been after a moment of time where the Holy Spirit's nagging on my heart to let go of something. And I go with him through that process and the outcome becomes true worship. And that's, you know, the process that Nancy walks through in a way of agape, but worship is not something we always feel, but it's something we do in obedience. And then sometimes the emotion will follow that and it's always worth it. All right. Well, I'm reading Psalm 32 and Psalm 32 is interesting because we have a couple voices in this Psalm. And I want to point out who's speaking as I go through this, because I think it's important for the context to get this. So in Psalm 32, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed, in the, blessed is the man whose iniquity the Lord does not account against him, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was drained as in the summer heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while you may be found. 
Surely when great waters rise, they will not come near. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. And then this is the voice of the Holy Spirit, verse eight. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will give you counsel and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. They must be controlled with bit and bridle to make them come to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the loving devotion surrounds him who trusts in the Lord. And then David finishes up the psalm with verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Hmm. Interesting how they kind of coincide again. I know, right? It's just funny. It, it, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, God is so powerful. But, you know, the, the thing I would say about this is that confession is so important. And that's, you know, that's the power. And the thing that the thing, the reason that Jesus continued to have issues with the Pharisees is because they didn't see that their deepest need was salvation from sin. And that's what I love about this Psalm is David saying, look, blessed is the person whose sin is forgiven. And this is something the longer that I walk with the Lord, I, I kind of hate this Calvinistic doctrine where they, the total depravity of man, because it, it takes it, what it does is it makes it a category rather than a personal issue where we get to understand what a blessing it is that Jesus bore our sin on the cross. It, 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 to me, it depersonalizes it a little bit too much. It's, it's factually true, but it, it's missing the bigger picture as you walk more with the Lord. And as he continues to, to, you know, refine you in his fire, the more, the more you become aware of how toxic sin is, the more remorse you have for the sin in your life, the more that you rejoice in the freedom that given to us by Jesus, there's just this sensitivity to dealing with sin in your life. That's very different. And when you first get saved, you're like, yeah, I'm a sinner, but you don't really understand the depravity of yourself and your sin. And, and the longer that you walk with the Lord, the more that you become sensitive to the depravity of sin in your life. And the more you become, you mourn what it is in you and what it's done to the world around you. And that was the whole, that was the whole issue Jesus had was you, what you need from your Messiah is freedom from sin, not Rome. <laughs> and, or, or in your acts. You know that because that was the big thing there. I, I know I think I've discussed this book before, but Arnold Fruchtenbaum uh, wrote a book. Uh, it's a four book volume and an abridged version called Yeshua: The Life of the Messiah from a Messianic Jewish Perspective. And you don't realize the amount of tension that is going on there, and how advanced Jew the Judaism of the first century really was a cult that was very concerned with their action very concerned. I mean, they, they even said when he talks about the washing of hands, you know, your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Well, in the rabbinic writings, they say, well, that it makes you whole body unclean. It can bring catastrophe on your life and it can actually cause oppression from demons. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, and so when we speak of, when they're talking about the righteousness in their traditions and, and, and the level to which that they believe that gave them salvation, because while well, we're children of Abraham and we're doing all these great things, you know, it, it, it really, it, it really cuts out in that the reality of the sin. Yes. Well, a hundred percent. And that's, you know, that, that is exactly why Jesus went to the heart of the issue. 
you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. If you yeah. say, you know, Raka to my brother, you've committed murder. Jesus was saying, it's not the outside that's the problem. It's the inside that's the problem. Exactly. And they had perfected the outside, you whitewashed tombs. They had perfected the appearance of righteousness, but inside they were rotting. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit in us is now we can get clean from the inside out and we can become aware of the death that's leaking out of our souls and have be cleansed and truly healed. And when you value that healing, I promise you your life forever changes because you realize what I really needed Jesus gave me like what I actually needed not what I thought I needed not what I wanted but what I actually needed I found at the cross like when you when that hits home it it's like you know what I'm talking about Paul just and then it becomes exciting because then in turn that that's where that out of that gratitude you want to do you you know the actions that we do as Christians, the ministries we do, yes, there is the risk of course of like, oh, I'm supposed to do this, so I do it. And so we fall into the mundane and we're not spending that time with the Lord because we're so busy in doing. But ultimately, I want to do those things out of a gratitude and a love for him, again, because of what he did for us. But So this, and this kind of goes into today with the news articles. We've got a few because I want to kind of see the pattern that is going to be coming about. Um Right now, this first article uh, is dealing with an online safety bill that's coming in in England. And the reason that this is important is because they're pushing this stuff, even though it seems to be the for the purpose of protection, this stuff is going to come here to the States. Um, and we even see it now within the Senate and these meetings with the social media CEOs. But uh, in uh, Rishi, uh, Rishi Sunak, he's the British uh, prime minister. He, with his online safety bill. Now, this is from 2023, just to give some clarity on what it was initially stated to be the purpose of. Um, he's backed the government's online safety bill despite widespread criticism of the far-reaching legislation from across the tech industry. Many believe the bill poses a threat to end-to-end -to -end encryption and could be a major security and privacy risk for business and consumers. But Sunak told Tech Monitor the bill is a vital step to keep internet use safe from harmful material and insists the government has consulted with business on the cybersecurity implications of the act. But provisions in the bill which would compel tech companies to build backdoor access to their systems and to allow law enforcement agencies to access uh, child sex abuse material and other prohibited content has raised concerns with critics saying this would break end-to-end -end encryption in the UK and have far-reaching consequences for online security services. Now, we obviously want to protect children. We understand this. Like There is a lot of evil and pretty nasty stuff that goes on. And this is where I'm one of those ones like kids just straight up should not have access to social media, period. Yep. Um, the issue here is that it it goes beyond just this. They're basically saying, hey, you you should not be able to have protected conversations. Um, mm -hmm. we, we need to have backdoors into all these end-to-end -end encrypted, encrypted talks, um, which ultimately goes into a complete invasion of all privacy. Um, and this just came out. Now, this law did pass, and that, but I wanted people to see what they were stating it was for back in 23. But since it has passed, Stark Naked Brief on Twitter, uh, he he brings this out. Um, British Prime Minister here, uh, the interesting part about Rishi's tyrannical new online bill, the government announced that offenses under the new online laws have kicked in so criminals can face up to five years behind bars for demeaning and dangerous actions. Part of this new online, uh, part of this new law outlines part of that is fake news a false communication offense that outlaws the internet, the intentional sending of false information that could cause non-trivial psychological or physical harm to users online. So 
another thing that's interesting about this, and I, I forgot to uh, put it up here, but the people that are exempted from this bill are the BBC government agencies and and the the news agencies uh, and some other organizations. So basically, what it's being used for is to say if you put out what we deem as fake news, false information that could be quote unquote harmful, you can face prison time. You know, there's something that I I think this is important for us to pause and talk about this because this is so important. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, Satan. Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And, you know, where Christians often get themselves in trouble and deceived is we hear things that sound like Christianity. Love is love, right? Jesus was love. So love is love. And we're going to protect the kids. But these same people who are protecting the kids are putting child pornography in schools. (laughs) You know, these same people who are protecting the kids are exposing them to LGBTQ stuff. So, you know, the, keep in mind that Satan knows how to play towards that God-given morality that all of us innately have. And, you know, and so he finds a way of masquerading things as being good when there's actually an undertone to it. And here's the rule of thumb, guys. If it comes from the world, it's probably rubbish. I'm going to use the uh, British word, rubbish, <laughs> since this is a British article. <laughs> I'm trying to find this one comment. So on this, I've been putting out a couple TikToks dealing with uh, a certain person and personality and how he's twisting the scriptures, things like that. And what was interesting is I've had this guy hop in and I, again, I'm, I'm not sitting on my TikTok all day. And it's funny because these people, some of these people will be like, you're not answering me. Ah, it's like, well, yeah, cause I'm not going to sit in my app and like go through the comments and like answer you instantaneously. I don't live on this app. And this dude has, at this point, I think he's got over a hundred different comments in the last two days. And he's like, I was a pastor for 20 years. I went to Bible school. It's all BS, blah, 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 blah. And it was interesting because he was talking about how hateful and demeaning Christians are. And that's why, because I, I asked him, why are, if, if none of this is true, if the Bible isn't true, if the things I'm saying aren't true, why do you even care? Why, 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 why literally spend two days on this app, just going ham in my comments and responding to tons of people why is it getting you so angry? And his response was because Christians are dangerous and they're demeaning and they hurt people. And I'm like, last I checked on this app, like you guys are the ones that are just being absolutely hateful to us. And in the, in our, I mean, the things that these people are calling me and other Christians, it's, it's pretty terrible, you know, and not, not that I care, but, you know, but it's just, it's so interesting because they will just be vitriolic towards us, but but we're the ones that are unloving. We're the ones that are mean. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's that lack of understanding that what they're saying does not line up with what they're, but again, it's, it's, I think it's that it's, it's the hatred of the truth and the hatred of the light, right? John says that they run from the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. I think, especially people like that, yeah. there was, um, Donald Gray Barnhouse was talking about how he met with a pastor he'd gone to school with. And they were discussing how, you know, ministry and the church and the subject of hell came up. He said, you know, honestly, I, I, I honestly don't believe in hell anymore. And Dr. Barnhouse said he just stuck his finger into the man's chest and said, you have terrible, terrible sin in your life because there is no other reason that you would just suddenly deny eternal punishment. And obviously the guy, like it broke the dude down and he confessed that he had been doing some pretty terrible things. But when I see 
these people that, especially, you know, these deconstructionists and these people that have walked away, I'm not, I'm not negating church hurt and things that have gone about in their life and suffering. I, 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 I understand that viewpoint doesn't make it right, but I can understand right. it. Right. However, the level of hatred and the amount of energy and time they put into trying to, to hate on something they don't even believe is true. To me, that demonstrates, I think internally, you truly know, you know, in your heart of hearts, this to be true. And you are doing everything in your power to convince yourself it's not because you understand the consequences. You understand the ramifications and that's what you don't want. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You are on point there, Paul. All right. So another exciting tech news headline, big tech CEOs called out by senators. You need to do much more to protect the children. It's all about the children that they sex traffic and are a part of exactly using Washington stand on Wednesday, the Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing where the CEOs of Meta, TikTok, X, Snapchat and Discord testified. It's exceptionally rare for both sides of the aisle to be on the same page. Hint, hint. <laughs> I smell something fishy. Yeah. And yet Wednesday's hearing proved to be one of the most one of those unique occasions. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from Texas, on behalf of the committee insisted up front that every social media company needs to do more to protect children. In part, the hearing mirrored what occurred on in June 2023 when the Wall Street Journal published a report that showed Instagram's algorithm was actively connecting pedophiles to accounts that were advertising the sale of child sexual abuse material. What was a problem last summer has only grown worse. The number of children who have been exposed to explicit content in child predators has skyrocketed, as well as the deaths of individuals who unknowingly purchase fentanyl off of social media. There's also been a rise of self-harm, eating disorders, and suicide due to harmful social media content, Fox News reported. Real quick side note, I saw a statistic the other day that now says that 55% of sexual abuse cases in children are from child to child. So in other words, children are being exploited and so sexually uh, at a young age that they're now committing sexual acts amongst each other. And it's not adult to children entirely anymore. So continuing, Cruz pointed out a warning on Instagram post that comes up to flag a user of content with potential child sex abuse. However, instead, instead of the content being removed, the icon gives the user an option to get resources or to see the result anyways. Aghast, Cruz Press, in what sane universe is there a link for see my results anyway? All Zuckerberg had to say in his response is they might be wrong, which makes them hesitant to pull the material down entirely. When Cruz asked how often that warning label showed up and users still clicked to see the material, Zuckerberg said he didn't know. Okay, so you're refusing to answer, Cruz stated. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, told Fox News, it's clear that big tech is prioritizing profit over the well-being of our children. She continued, these executives have failed to take action and are sitting idly by as our children are dying from fentanyl and being trafficked online. And many experts have dug up evidence that big tech is ignoring the damaging reality of their product in order to continue making money. As social media users grow, it's turning into a place where most young people get most of their information. At the same time, it's also proving to be a dangerous world of pornographic content, pedophiles and political censorship for people of all ages. It stands to reason that the responses from the CEOs at the hearing came as a disappointment to those who want to keep children safe. And obviously, so there is obviously that major issue where you can just click through rather than it just being removed. I mean, I'm obviously in favor of, hey, you need to be 18 years old before you're even allowed to have a social media account. 
due to some of the things that go on there. And we have a mix here, right, of freedom of speech versus what should actually be allowed to be open to the public. Um, but while I agree with these things completely, this stuff should not be allowed to even be on there. Children shouldn't be on there. And if you're a parent that is allowing your child on social media, like I, I, I'm sorry, like you, you're you're not making the best decisions for your children because social media, there is no added benefit to it. Like th there is no study, no anything that demonstrates that it is an actual added benefit. Well, my th their friends are on there. Great. My daughter has tons of friends and she ain't on social media with them. So, you know, anyways, but, but ultimately what this is going to be used for, because when you look at the bill with TikTok, when you look at that, it, it goes much farther beyond that. Because what's included in the TikTok bill, this goes back to the end-to-end -end encryption. When they were talking about the TikTok bill and the censorship of these things, what they're also adding in that is VPNs, like you would, a virtual private network. And that's where, and that is a protection measure a lot of us use so that you can't get into our system. You don't, you know, it, it's a protection level. Um, my buddy, Nate, he's, he calls it riding dirty. He, like when he saw he was, we were helping my nephew with some computer stuff. And so we were uh, logged into his computer remotely and he goes, Oh, so, so you're riding dirty, huh? Just uh, flowing, flowing through the internet, huh? Unprotected, smart. Um, but, <laughs> but the thing about this, however, that's important is it's, it's while they, yes, there, it is definitely a need to deal with these things, have them removed and not have access, just free open access to them. Children should not be on this app, but ultimately it's going to be used for control because it also gives them access to your networks. Mm -hmm. They are allowed to basically go in and just see whatever they want to see. Not that they don't already do that, but right. so this is the the way in which they're going to, because as we saw in England with their online law that just came to pass, right? It's it's about protection. We need to protect the kids, Yeah. but we're really going to use it for a vehicle to completely control what you have access to. Um, and notice though that that stuff they say we need to protect the kids from, that doesn't get censored. That doesn't get changed. But <laughs> of course, you know, misinformation. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It, it's a complete invasion of privacy. It is ultimately a tool in order to bring in control. It's, it's and a this, pretense. And yes. real quickly, I'll throw this out there. You and I, I grew up, because uh, I'm a little bit older than you, at, at the beginning of the internet boom. And so one of the big things that was a big thing when I was a kid was AOL chat rooms. Yeah. And Same. I remember, yeah, going and chatting in chat rooms. And n as an adult, I look back and there were child sex predators all over those chat rooms. And I was constantly as a kid being bombarded by people who were saying, hey, do you want to have a private conversation? And, and it, it was sexual exploitation. As a kid, I was too young to understand. And I had kind of had this epiphany a few weeks ago. And I went back and I thought about some of the stuff that I was exposed to in those chat rooms as a kid. I was too young to understand what it was, but it was I look back now and I go, oh my gosh, it's been there from the beginning. So just to reiterate what you said, Paul, your children, if they are on any social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, any of those, they are being exposed to sexual content, period. It doesn't matter what parental controls you put in there. It doesn't matter how much you think you're monitoring them. They're being exposed to this stuff. These predators know how to get around all of your protections for the kids. So just be aware of that and be aware of the consequences and the ramifications, especially as I mentioned before, the, 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 the type of sexual molestation that's happening to children is now more coming in the form of kids on kids versus just adults on kids, which is what it used to be because these kids are being hypersexualized at a young age.
Yeah. And this goes into um, The Economist's uh, social media. The Economist, um, they put out a message. It says nearly half of young people say that the social media that social media are the main source of news. Just as the same platforms decide news is no longer interesting, this should be a worry for everyone concerned. So basically in this push with the whole social media companies, they're saying, hey, news isn't, people aren't concerned about the news. So we're really not going to uh, push these types of things. So what what this comes down to with that is the benefit that we see on TikTok and on a lot of these others is that we can see all the opposing views. That was the benefit of Elon Musk taking over Twitter now that it is X, is it is the center square where all the ideas can come forth and be brought forth. You know, we don't want to shut people down from being able to state what they believe is going on, what they believe is the truth or, or bringing forth uh, uh, the news. But all the ideas need to be brought forth, mm-hmm. right? And the beauty of not shutting people down when they're bringing forth ideas is at times because they're allowed to be out there and stating this, you can see how crazy they are, Yeah, which means everybody's like, oh yeah, screw that guy. Uh, that's, that's insane. I can see where that's going. But if you shut down opposing views to those things, other than your narrative or what's allow what's coming forward that allows you to push the information you want, right? That's, that's the problem is that now let me loop this back. This goes back to the education system. Over the last hundred some years, the education system recognized a less educated electorate is a controllable electorate. And we can just then develop workers. We don't want independent thinkers. We don't want people studied in philosophy or things like that, that allow for them to actually think through what's being stated. Take what we give you and just absorb. And this is the truth, regardless of what is actually true what is actually right. And so with this, they want to control the information again, because when we were reliant on just the news networks, on the newspapers, on the television uh, news networks, as I repeat myself, um, that allowed them to control a ton. You know, look look at Glenn Glenn, Glenn Beck, right? Think about all that we learned about George Soros and all of his little umbrella of different agencies and how much control he was actually exerting in the US and worldwide. We wouldn't have known that had it not been for Glenn Beck. And he got yep. you know, he, he was kicked off Fox News. Yep. You know, so there was a there's a lot of control about what's true. You get to control the truth if you control the media. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're wanting to push all of these things ultimately, because they they've lost a lot of that control. Yep, a hundred percent. And you know, that's the thing not all ideas are good ideas. And the, and, and the reason as a representative Republic that we were designed the way that we were, where ideas had to be brought forth in Congress and they had to be debated is because bad ideas get poo-pooed really quickly when, when yes. they're teased out and they don't want their bad ideas teased out. And, you know, we saw this firsthand with the vaccine, <laughs> you know, as soon as people started going, wait a minute, trust the science. Wait, what science? There's no science behind these. Yes. You know, then they immediately wanted to shut down the opposition because that debate that is critical to running a republic has to be able to tease bad ideas out and they don't they don't want to do that they want to control the narrative i actually saw a tweet today um as i was doing a little last minute research for today it was really interesting because it was talking about the effectiveness of vaccines and all it was was headlines and it went from the beginning 99 percent effective and then it had um briggs hall of the mountain king from his, uh, and, and it just 
flashed and you see this decline in percentage of effectiveness from 99 down to super low percentages. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hmm. But that would be considered, that could be considered misinformation. Mm -hmm. That's like libs of TikTok, right? All that person does is put up videos of hardcore leftist liberals. He, they just they just repost what they are they're putting out there, but they hate them. Why? Because they're being exposed. They don't. Yeah. That's the whole thing with all of this. They don't want exposure to the truth. What they're really doing. What they're really thinking. Who they really are. You know the girl who runs that Chaya. You know she's Orthodox, right? Really? Yeah, she's awesome. She's absolutely incredible. I she's one of my heroes, and yeah, she's she's Orthodox, and she is man. She is a no nonsense on fire. She's right up there awesome. on par with intellect with Ben Shapiro. You know, That's it, cool. isn't it, you know, it's interesting. I have the privilege of having, a, you know, several Jewish friends and they're all, they're all insanely smart people. Yeah. It's, it's like God bless them or something. Yep. Maybe, <laughs> it's maybe just insane how smart they are. So all this, right. this next one, um, it's just a tweet and I, I would recommend people to actually watch this episode of Tucker Carlson with Brett Weinstein on the Darien gap. So the Darien Gap is a pass between South America and North America. It is incredibly treacherous. A lot of people actually die or get very sick uh, going through this. But what he actually demonstrates, because he went down there, is this invasion in the U.S. is being funded by the U.N. and our own government. Mm -hmm. So this, this whole thing going on from South America and all these other countries, Afghans, Iranians, people from all these Muslim countries... It is being funded by the U.S. We are funding our own destruction. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say, you know, earlier with, with the stuff going on, th there's a lot of things that are being set up to happen. And we don't know when it's going to pop. We just know it's going to pop at some point. Mm -hmm. So that is where we as Christians really need to be prepped and ready to be light. Because again, it goes back to at least we have hope. At least we know the truth. I just can't imagine watching the world delve into a global system and then the events that have to take place to bring that about ain't going to be exactly pretty, most likely. I can't imagine not having any hope, not having any understanding, you know, no light to the situation, just a, oh my gosh, I have to survive, but what does that actually mean? And so, you know, it's going to be very, very important in the coming days, whether that be this year or five years from now, it is very vital for us as Christians to know the truth and then be able to speak it and be that light for Christ, because ultimately that's, mm -hmm. that's the only thing that matters. A hundred percent. And you know, one thing I will say is be wary of these fear tactics and these videos that come out where, you know, I I've seen, I'll give you an example. I saw this video one time where this particular person was saying that Babylon was us and why we need to be storing up food and water and getting our bunkers built. And, you know, not only is that flawed, doctrinally speaking, but more importantly, be wary of these Christian, quote unquote, Christian videos that come out that remove the divinity of God from your life. <laughs> and, and, you know, at the core of that, it says, I don't trust God. I don't trust this plan. And therefore I am going to make, I'm going to be self-sufficient and self-reliant when Jesus explicitly, this wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't a, let's feel good. Explicitly says in Matthew chapter six, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. <laughs> yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that we don't have prudence and we don't manage the things that God gives us. Well, that's not what that means. But and it doesn't, doesn't even mean that we don't do food stores. Right. Exactly. But, but we should not listen. My food stores are for when I'm raptured, 
Hopefully I can feed another <laughs> Inshallah. family. Inshallah, let's hope. Yeah, and they come back and they start looking and go, oh, this woman was a Christian. Maybe she was onto something. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, but I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I do, you know, there's a lot of this there's a lot of this fear-mongering Christianity that goes into this. And I think you and I really try to steer away from that. We're, we were talking earlier about getting our gardens prepped, right? And making sure that we have a, you know, we're wise with the things that may come uh, because if things don't change, I mean, some pretty gnarly outcomes may come out of this, but I'm not doing that from a place of fear as much as I'm doing it from a place of, I'm going to be responsible with the things that the Lord's given me. And there's a difference. God is still seated on his throne. I'm not now going, oh gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do when these things happen. And I now need to play God in my own life. There's a difference and you've got to be cognizant of that. It doesn't seem like much. It seems like semantics, but there's a lot. The attitude of the heart behind the two is is vastly different. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So last one is going to be a bit of a celebration. Yep. You want me to go for it, Paul? Okay. Go for it. All right. Judge dismisses Disney lawsuit against Florida for abolishing theme parks special privileges from LifeSite News in Tallahassee. Yet another win against woke ideology in the Sunshine State. Say that five times fast. A federal judge has thrown out entertainment giant Disney's lawsuit against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis over his revocation of special privileges for the company's Florida resort. Disney, which for years has been infusing the its mainstream children's and family entertainment offerings with pro-LGBT messages and other left-wing themes took a hard-line stance in March of 2022 against Florida's proposed parental rights and education law, which prohibited a range of sexually related content in K-3 K through three education and guaranteed parental notification for any changes that could affect their child's physical, emotional, or mental well-being. The law passed anyways and was later expanded to all grade levels. And DeSantis then eliminated the Reedy Creek Improvement District, the self-governing special district status for Disney's Florida Disney's Florida theme park. This special status had exempted the park from various state regulations and conferred other financial benefits, effectively effectively allowing Disney to govern itself for decades. So then they tried to sue and the judge was like, no, get your hands off the kids, Disney. Yep. There's a, a think, sorry. Unless you think this is new, go watch Fantasia. Fantasia has been introducing children. Disney from the very beginning was introducing children to very demonic things. I watched Fantasia about a year ago and I sat there and I was watching and I was like, they were exposing people to humanism, to the demonic, to the occult from the very beginning. So stop pretending this is Satan masquerading as an angel of light, this whole organization. Anyway, sorry, what were you saying? No, there is a, it was funny because I was, <laughs> one of the things when it comes, have you, everybody loved, well, not everybody. My wife hates it. Um, but the the MCU, the Marvel Universe, and what it originally was, you know, it was some really good good movies, good storylines, things like that. Say whatever, right? And then like this next phase came out, and the amount of all that junk and all the people that I watched kept calling the MCU the MCU. <laughs> it cracked me up. Didn't South Park have a great episode about that. Oh, they did. I I I, I did see that they. Uh, they did an episode, I guess, where, yeah, it was, it was dealing with different timelines and everybody was a female. And it was, <laughs> from what I hear, it was pretty good. Those guys, yeah. those guys are incredibly, yeah. If you're not up on current events, you're not going to get South Park, <laughs> but uh, they are, they are the satirists of our time. Mm, for sure. So this, and I guess that would go good into my, my next news article, which is from the B, which Gaza votes for a ceasefire in Chicago. <laughs> Amidst an ongoing conflict between Hamas and Israel, residents of Gaza banded together Thursday to vote for a ceasefire in Chicago, a city they say is an absolute war zone. 
We are appalled by the endless violence in Chicago. How can anyone live there? Declared Gaza residents Ahmed al-Astal Abu al-Najjar. We must add our voice to the growing number of people demanding peace in this war-torn American city. According to reports, there were 2,450 shootings in the Windy City in 2023 alone. You'd be crazy to live in Chicago, Al-Najjar reiterated, shaking his head, I don't care how good they say their pizza is. <laughs> and the reason that's funny is because Chicago City Council this week voted for a ceasefire in Palestine. <laughs> And so that's what makes it funny is it's like, wait, 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 did you, uh, how about rather than going and telling Israel Holy how to run cow. that country, how about you deal with the crime in your own country, in your own Oh city? my goodness. Yeah. You are safer walking down the streets of Iraq than you are Chicago. Well, well, and so funny it's story. insane. I used to work for a company that was headquartered in Chicago and, uh, I was really good friends with one of our employees who lived in the city. And so him and his wife and kids came and stayed with Ben and I for a couple of days as they were getting to see the rest. They did like a road trip with their kids. So we're sitting on the back deck and they're just like in awe of what it looks like to live in the country and have all this space. And then one of my neighbors starts shooting guns and they were like, what was that? What was that? And I was like, oh, it's just the neighbor shooting guns. They were like, there, there's people who shoot what? And they like, they started running inside. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, people down here know how to shoot them, <laughs> where to shoot them. And it's yeah. not at other people. Yeah. It, they're, they're practice. It's target. They're not, it was so funny. We had to explain to them like what was happening and they were just, they were just terrified. And they're like, can we go inside now? That's <laughs> like, hilarious. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in order to appreciate this one, I have to describe the image with it. Okay. So in my Babylon B, we have an image of John Fetterman, who's the who was a mentally insane senator from Pennsylvania who went to rehab and is all of a sudden starting to tout conservative. He also had multiple strokes. Yeah, 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 multiple strokes and started to count, tout conservative talking points. It's him wearing a hoodie because that's all he wears, but it has that uh, tux imprint on it. So he, he looks like he's wearing a tux, but it's a hoodie with the tux on it. So you have to get that image in your mind. So keep that image in your mind as I read this headline. Surprise, we at the Babylon Bee would like to reveal that Fetterman has been doing a bit for us all along. <laughs> it's it's high time we pull the wool from your eyes and reveal the truth. Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, former liberal darling turned based middle-aged or excuse me, middle American hero has a bit, has doing a bit for us all along. Ha ha, got you. <laughs> liberal America was relieved when a cognitively, cognitively challenged stroke victim beat Dr. Oz to take the senatorial crown in 2022. Still, few know what led to such an explosive movement in American history. Friends, it took months of hard work and preparation to get where we, where we are today, and it was worth every minute. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's 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 uh it's like Alice in Wonderland at the at the at the tea the tea table. Change places. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right guys, thank you so much for spending your Friday with us. We hope this has encouraged you. We just, again, thank you guys so much for the, the stories you're sending in the, the testimonies, the prayer requests. We just greatly, greatly appreciate it. And just, it's exciting. It's very exciting to see. So if this encouraged you, please like share this podcast with your family and friends, and we will see you again in the next Friday. This is Paul with Warriors Rising out. <laughs> <laughs>